Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to also, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. We have a special episode for you today as we will have a roundtable discussion on the follow-up of our topic on Alejandro Villanueva from episode 59. So make sure you check that out if you haven't already before listening to this one. And before we bring in our guests, let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT. How are you feeling today? Feeling good, man. We're going to get so much good information today. So I'm just sitting back, listening and taking it all in. Yes, sir. So if you're ready, let's go. Now let's welcome in our esteemed guests who we are grateful to have on the show today. First, we would like to welcome in Coach Charles Harley. He is a former Marine who was the head football coach for 15 years at Forestville High School in Prince George's County, Maryland, and is now the associate head coach and offensive coordinator at the Landon School in Bethesda. And as he told me earlier today, his proudest attribute, attribute is being a good father. So Coach Harley, welcome to the show. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we also have the honor of having the Chief of Administrative and Civil Law in the U.S. Army, a graduate from the University of Miami School of Law, and the host of his own podcast called This Podcast is Legally Objectionable. And prior to all of that, he was most he most notably served as the infantry rifle platoon leader of the 101st Airborne Division, live from, live from Kaiserslautern, Germany, Don Wagner. Welcome to JT and the Don. Thank you for joining us. What time is it over there? It's about midnight, so it's right. not early. All right. So for the fans' sake, too, we'll try to make this a, a <laughs> short, uh, short segment. But um, did I get everything right there, Don, with all the accolades? Yeah, that's, that's a mouthful. I'm hoping you're not building me up to, the, to more than this is. <laughs> but I appreciate, I appreciate the long intro. Thanks. All right. All right. Well, to the listeners out there and to Coach, I think you will really enjoy Don's podcast. Again, this podcast is legally objectionable. So check that out. And, you know, I noticed one thing before we get to the question, Don. We've got too many Dons here. I'm a little worried because JT's always trying to remove me from the show. And now he may have another Don to bring in. So I'm a little worried. You got nothing to say, JT? I'm surprised. Look, you you being that scared says it all. Look, if I ever want to replace you, I know exactly where to go. So you better, you know, really, really bring it this show. All That's right. all I got to say. All right. That's my plan. So, guys, we want to discuss something that JT and I feel has not received quite the national attention that maybe it deserves in terms of a conversation. And that is why we have asked you guys to join us today. Uh, to the listeners out there, make sure you listen to episode 59 of JT and the Don because we discuss our opinions. But today, we want to hear from Coach and Don. So, 
Coach, I, I want to ask you first, what was, your, what was your reaction to Alejandro Villanueva's decision to wear the name of Owen Cash um, on the back of his helmet and not Antoine Rose Jr. in week one, and then to wear Cash's name in week two instead of a social justice phrase as his teammates did? Well, Donnie is, had you asked me the same question six months ago, my answer would have been, would, would have been different. Right now, today, with all this going on in the world, I think to each his own. Uh, uh, I don't have a problem with him doing it. As, from, as a teammate, I might have had a problem, and it sounds as if they agreed to do one thing, and he on, on his own went left. That might have been what might have bothered me a little bit, but other than that, I really didn't have a problem with him with him doing it. If I would have had a problem, it would have been more with Maurice Pouncey as he wore it, and then a day later says, oh, I had I known, I had I known more information about this, that, and the third, I wouldn't have wore it. That was a little more troublesome to me because what Alejandro did didn't disrespect the kid or his family or the situation. But what Pouncey did, he put more mud on the kid's name than the other situation. And I thought he could have just, you know, first educate yourself if you're going to wear the kid's name. Then don't come out after you do it and say, I shouldn't have done it and kind of make the situation worse. Yeah, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, JT, or, or either Don or Coach. I believe Vince Williams did the same as what Pouncey did where he kind of came out and um, – you know. Yeah, yeah, I believe he and also Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, came out after the first week and said that he was going to follow suit and not wear um, uh, Cash's name as well. Got it, got it. Um, so, Don, same question. What was your uh, reaction to it? So, so let me just preface. I, I don't want to get too technical, but since I am still serving, I am a lawyer. I got to preface this with the standard Department of Defense disclaimer. All these are my views. These are not the views that represent the Army. I don't think anyone's going to hold me to what I say against the Department of Defense. But since I do deal with this issue at work, this, these are my personal views, not the views of the Army or the DOD. So understanding who Villanueva is, I think, is important to, to add some context to this. Um, you know, there, there was some discussion about kind of him winning an award. And I think the first part is, you know, this is a guy who, uh, if anybody has, has earned the right to, to make a statement, it's, it's Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, the award that he won when he was in Afghanistan is like, it's probably one of the top five awards that the Army awards and the fact that it's a Valor Award. Uh, I went back and did a little research. Uh, what, what he actually did when he was in Afghanistan was he carried one of his wounded soldiers on his shoulder. Uh, from one point to another while they were under fire. Uh, the kid ended up dying. Um, but this is one of his soldiers. And to me, uh, in, in doing that, look, I've been a platoon leader, Donato. You said it yourself. I've been in that position. Now, I haven't had to carry a guy under fire who, who ended up dying. I was fortunate. All my guys came home. But again, I, I think, you know, if there's a guy who should be granted a little bit of leeway for his decision to do something like this, it's him. Um, he, he is not just a guy who served, but he served under fire and he was awarded for it. Um, and then the next point uh, when, when it comes to the situation is the Alwyn Cash thing in the military has been a very hot button topic for probably the last uh, five to 10 years. Um, and, and here's why. And here's what I think. I don't know. But here's what I think Villanueva was trying to do. I think he was trying to make his own social justice statement in his own way. He's a guy who always tries to redirect the conversation to the military. And I think that's what he was trying to do. Alwyn Cash um, if you know anything about his story, is African-American. There have been precisely zero guys to win the Medal of Honor in the current war on terror that are African-American. So I suspect that what he was trying to do was make a statement and, and support um, an African-American soldier in a topic that's been very much at the forefront of the military. 
Um, and I think that's why he chose that name. And it just so happens that a week or two prior to that, I think the Department of Defense had come out and, and mentioned that uh, Alwyn Cash had been, is going to be nominated for the Medal of Honor. Um, and so I think it was just a kind of fortuitous, uh, you know, bunch of circumstances that allowed him to, to kind of do that while it was a, was a hot button topic. But again, if, if my suspicion is, and I don't think we'll ever hear from him because he's not the kind of guy to kind of talk about these things, but uh, I suspect that he was trying to make his own kind of social justice statement by choosing that name. As, as Coach alluded to, I don't think he was, was intending to disrespect anyone. Um, sounds like there might have been a little bit of miscommunication, uh, reading through some articles again, doing a little research. Uh, it sounds like maybe not everybody was on the same page. It sounds like some guy said that, uh, you know, again, some people thought they were going left. He went right. Maybe they weren't exactly sure how they were going to sync this thing up. And, and they had a couple of gaps in their communication. That sounds like that was one of the issues, too. Well, Don, you bring up a really good point. And I just want to, before we move on to the next question, I wanted to kind of elaborate on the great information that you just gave. With that being said, and your thought process of, okay, he's just really trying to make a social justice statement within this situation to bring attention to that that particular case. Do you feel, well, both of you, do you feel as military members that he should be doing this more to maybe use his platform to bring attention to some of the disservice that military vets face on a daily basis? Do you think he should be using his platform to bring awareness just to stuff like that in general? Uh, me personally, I think, like, like I said before, to each his own, whatever you feel convicted by, you should be moved. I think, particularly with all this going on, the worst thing that's happened for me was, as a black man in America, for people to tell me how I should feel or how I should function. So if he feels as if he should bring, if that's a, something he's passionate about, then absolutely. If not, stick with your passion about because you'll be more likely to not trip up if you follow your heart. Yeah, I, I would agree with what, what Coach said. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, because of being, and, and I think you guys discussed this. I was actually re-listening to your podcast this morning on my on my way back from PT at 6.30 in the morning. You got to love the military. I have such great hours. I stay up late. I get up early. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure Coach remembers that. Um, Absolutely. But I was listening to your, your show this morning, and you talked about some of the, you know, just the basic uniform issues. I think it's, it's tough because uniform does legislate everything so much. I mean, but if he's going to do that, now's the time because I think they're being granted um, – you know, kind of never before seen the ability, folks are having the ability to kind of make some of these statements. So if he were to do it, I think now is, is one of the times to do it. And he certainly has the platform. So if he wants to, I think he should, you know, as coach said, go as he feels led. Okay. Well, I guess next where I want to go is I want your, both of your opinions on, let's just take the same situation, but let's sort of flip it around. So would you have an issue if the following situation occurred, it was a designated military weekend in the NFL with teams wearing the same names of fallen soldiers on the back of everyone's helmet. So let's say in that situation, one of the players or multiple players decided on their own to wear the name of an unarmed black man who had been shot or killed by the police. Would you guys have an issue with that situation or would you see it as a sign of disrespect or indifference? I'll let Don go first this time. Thanks, Coach. You know, I, I don't. I, again, I'm, I'm very much uh, in favor of people, like Coach said, I'm very much in favor of people expressing their minds, their views, um, even in a place in, like the NFL where that isn't always embraced or hasn't been embraced in the past. I think I don't, I personally, 
I know everybody has different opinions on the matter, but I personally would not uh, feel that it's insulting for somebody to do that. Um, as you said, in the reverse, if we were celebrating a military member having a, a celebratory military weekend and, and one of the players um, decided that they wanted to wear the name of, of someone who'd been the, been the victim of uh, social injustice, I wouldn't have an issue with that. And I kind of follow what Don's saying. Uh, a little background. So my school was my school I coached at was Fordsville Military Academy. So eight months ago, had you asked me this, I might have felt differently. At my high school, if you ever came to a game, every kid looked alike. Even during uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, every kid had the same color socks on, same wristbands, the whole nine. I was not one for kind of doing your own thing. But in light of where we are today in this world, I would not, as Coach said, would not feel disrespectful at all. I would applaud anybody who wanted to step out on their own courage, faith, and, 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 and demonstrate how, how, however they see fit. So I, pro I would not have a problem with that at all. Eight months ago, maybe, but certainly not at all right now. So I'm going to go off script a little bit and kind of the impromptu questions because I think you guys bring up some great points. So, so my two things would be one, um, and just whoever wants to jump in, one, do you feel if that was the situation, military weekend, a player wears the name of someone other than a fallen soldier, do you think the media, it would be more of a, of a, of a uh, media frenzy on that situation than what Villanueva is getting? I think, uh, particularly considering what we got going on right now, I think absolutely those kids, those players would probably get bombasted right now if something like that happened. Because, you know, though a lot of people are more open to these things, there's some people who aren't. Some people just think, plain and simple, you're, anything that disrespects the military is a, as an assault on freedom. And so I think it would be, it would be, it would go, it would, wouldn't be received as well if the scenario you just painted, played itself out. Yeah, and I, I would agree with with what Coach said. You know, one of the one of the issues I have with with a lot of this stuff, and, and I think one of our questions or one of our discussions is going to center on Colin Kaepernick. And so one of the issues I had there, and, and what I have here is, is that um, people tend to, especially folks that haven't been in the military, that aren't in the military, they tend to be hypersensitive about these things, and they really get upset and they project kind of their feelings of what they think should be proper when it comes to patriotism and those kinds of things. And, and so they tend to get bent out of shape. Whereas I, as a military member, I don't, you know, I find that folks in the military, you know, as long as folks are being respectful and things like that, I, I find that a lot of folks in the military don't necessarily get out of bed, get as bent out of shape as maybe uh, the, the common folks, the, the regular folks that are, are, are saying some of these things. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it might be blown up a little bit in the media, but I don't personally, I, you know, if, like I said, if kids want, if guys want to do this, that's their personal right. You know, we fought for that freedom, the ability to, for folks to do that. And so they should certainly be allowed to exercise that right. Oh, uh, yeah. Just kind of second what Don said. I mean, again, it would, Don pretty much said it again. It's a lot of times in the military was black people, people want to tell us how we should feel. Um, and, you know, I know at some point we may get to Colin Kaepernick, but if people really know what happened, and again, if I can, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I kind of feel compelled to go here. A couple things with Colin Kaepernick. One, the first time he protested, he sat down. An army ranger told him, white army ranger told him, that was disrespectful. Taking the knee is more of a sign of respect. We've all played sports here. What do you do at the end of each game when you stand around your coach? You take a knee and you listen to your coach. When I was in the military and I was in the Marine Corps, we used to do sit, kneel, bend, and mainly kneel when we're getting periods of instruction. We took a knee. So for me, I didn't have a problem with him 
taking a knee. I will say when the Kaepernick thing jumped off, I thought it was too vague, his description. I thought just saying, uh, uh, you know, about all the different social injustices, et cetera, I thought if you were to say something in, at that time, then I'm going to take a knee until the commissioner makes a statement on X, Y, and Z. That's more tangible. I just thought it was too broad at the time. But knowing what I know now, I'm, I'm actually glad he did it. Um, as as a, a white male, I've had we've been having a lot of conversations uh, pretty much monthly. We've been having meetings with myself, my NCOs, my enlisted soldiers, a lot of different people in my office, and I've been I've been sitting around listening to people. And it's at a point I had to admit, and listening to some of my black soldiers, I had to say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, I honestly have to admit that growing up in Central Pennsylvania, going to Penn State, I, I have not had the perspectives that you had, and it's it's been good to hear." Again, some of those perspectives, kind of like what we're doing today, giving you the military perspective, but I've gotten to understand what it's been like for, for black soldiers in the army, things that I never, that maybe I took for granted. Um, so it's been very eye-opening. You know, my other question was, and, and I think this is great dialogue, and, and this relates back to the episode 59, just to, to kind of catch you up to speed real quick. My analogy was during October, the NFL always has breast breast um, cancer awareness month a lot of the players wear pink and so I would find it odd and kind of question why or at least want to know more about why a player would say let's wear light blue for example which is usually related to, to prostate cancer not that there's anything wrong with wearing the light blue in in awareness of that but in the month of October, when it's designated and the NFL has approved players wearing pink on their uniform, do you not question, hey, why is he wearing that? The or, motive. The, the, the motive, right. And so in this instance, and like you guys said, I, I, I do agree with you guys that, it, and I think I prefaced it on my show, hey, it's tough for me to tell another adult how to feel, what to do, how to act what to believe in, right? Because I wouldn't want someone to do that to, to myself either. But in this instance, I think we can kind of question or try to figure out, hey, why would that person do it? Because it's so, it's so opposite, right? Like everyone's folk, does it mean he doesn't care about breast cancer? Like, what is the, does he not have that appreciation for it of what, you know, maybe women go through? So, that's kind of the question I'll throw out to you guys if you if you want to try to answer it. I know it may be there's no perfect answer to it. Is do you question though why he took this particular moment? Because if he truly believed in in that wholeheartedly, meaning the the all in cash and trying to to promote that awareness for the medal, why didn't he do it last season saying, Hey, I'll take the 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 fine of breaking the uniform? And having the name on. Because like you said, Dawn, you know, this didn't just come up within the last two weeks or the last couple months from what I gather. So do you question that at all to be like, oh, let me take a step back and kind of analyze the whole picture? Well, you know, obviously it's hard to get inside someone's head. Uh, we can never really, you know, see what's going on up there. But I, yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair question. But um, again, I think he saw an opportunity and he took it. Um, he saw the opportunity to maybe make his, like I said at the beginning, make his own social justice statement. Um, 
again, I think if there's a guy who's earned the right to, to maybe, uh, you know, make a statement like this at this time, it's, it's a guy like him again, you know, he's out there fighting for the right for people to do this. Um, but I, you're right to a certain degree, I think maybe, you know, he does open himself up to a little scrutiny with the timing of it. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's really hard to say what, what's going on in a guy's head. And especially with a guy like Bill Nueva, who really does not say much in the media when it comes to these things, much of anything, if at all. So I'm not sure we're ever really going to have a, have a great answer to that one. Right. Right. Um, again, the events of the last six months have changed the way I think, I, I think had we not had it, I probably would have called into question that there's, here we are now because we don't get that many chances where black men are getting honored or for, for other reasons. And this is the time you choose to go left. I, had we not been through what we've been through, I probably would have had a bit more of a problem with that. Like why now when we got a stage to try to bring some attention to things going on, you decide this is the time when it, that you decide to do that. But with what's going on right now, man, I'm so much more empathetic to uh, people's feelings and what they want to do if they feel convicted that I just can't pull myself to do it. But I probably would have thought the way uh, this, if this was last season and they decided randomly to do this and he went left, uh, I would have a problem probably. Coach, I'm going to go to you on this question first, um, just because you, you have more experience in football than all three of us, all, all three of us combined here. So do you think you guys had mentioned Colin Kaepernick? Do you think Colin Kaepernick has been out of the league for what is now four straight seasons because of the stance he took against uh, police brutality by taking a knee, the disrespect of the flag as some people saw it, um, or do you attribute or do you attribute it to something else? So how, you, you've known me, uh, Bucci, for two, three years. Have you ever, how many times have you heard me curse? I don't think I've ever heard you curse. If I were cursing, man, I say H F yeah. Absolutely, there are quarterbacks in the league who I've never heard of before. Some of these dopes probably with third string on their college team, and they're in the league, and he's not. Now, I'm getting old and I forget things at times, but did he not – didn't Kaepernick take a team to the Super Bowl? Yes, he so did. Can anybody here, One play away from it, winning So it. can anybody here tell me the last time a Super Bowl quarterback was unemployed two years later? And, and don't tell me his skills have diminished. They have. But I've, there's a guy in Minnesota right now who used to be the quarterback of my team who just got a minus three in fantasy points. I'm, I'm in the fantasy now, but – and he's got a job. And 40 million not, – not only does he have a job, he get, he's getting 40 million to do that job. Excuse me, there's a number of dopes in the league who shouldn't be there. We got a guy that who knows what he is right now today, but you can't tell me for the first two, three of those years that he could not help somebody's team. And there are a lot of teams who play just like he plays. When he was doing that in San Francisco, they, he was an outlier because there was no um, Lamar Jackson at the time. There wasn't my man in Kansas City. He was doing what they're doing now. So you can't tell me some of these teams couldn't have used that guy. And, but – they didn't. So it, absolutely, he's not playing because of the stance he took. Yeah, I would. I, you know, I really, I probably can't say it much better than that. Obviously, coach has has a much better eye from a, from a technical standpoint as to what makes a good quarterback and what doesn't. But his point is absolutely valid. You know, I'm a Bears fan as well, and so we've been recycled. We've been going through quarterbacks left and right. If if they would, if if they would, you know, why they didn't sign Colin Kaepernick, I don't know. But he, he's certainly, I think he's an improvement over the guy they currently have. Absolutely. Um, so I, I I question why they haven't signed him, but again, it's the Bears, so maybe that's why. Um, but, you know, here's the ironic part, and it's really unfortunate, right? We have come full circle to the point now where what Colin Kaepernick did uh, originally was, was, a, was a kind of one-off, and now it's become like the norm. And yet, 
this guy still, they don't have a job for him and, and mm -hmm. everything that he did and stood for, everybody's doing it now and it's normal and he's still being penalized for it. And, and I, you know, I would be, if anyone was ever able to do like an investigative report and get behind the scenes and, and do a hidden camera or something, my guess is they'd probably find a little bit of collusion between the owners on this one. When you think a certain way, your program condition a certain way, you don't have to get together. So I got fraternity brothers I've known forever uh, and certain things just flow naturally. So when you already know how you are and this what the system is, they might not even have a conversation. They know it may be a, a, a head nod. No way we're taking swim considering what he just did. So, but I do, I do believe there's probably some collusion, but they're also, it's the way they think. And again, I never, I never really got that fired up about, about what he was doing. It was, you know, it was, it's his conviction. He was sitting <laughs> exactly. down, he was kneeling. It was, he didn't spit, you know, where, where I start to have issues. And when people are grabbing the flag, they're dragging it on the ground, they're spitting it, they're burning it. That's why I start to have an issue. You Absolutely. Wanna, you want to take a stance and, and coach, you mentioned Boyer. I think the guy's name is the retired army uh, ranger, uh, special uh -huh. forces guy. He was out in Seattle when I was, when I was stationed out there. Uh, he's the guy you were talking about. And he was even, mm. he's even said in all this, Back to Kaepernick, he said, I'm really not that offended by this. It's his right. We have fought for the rights of, of folks like Colin Kaepernick to make statements like this. Um, I, don't, I don't have an issue with it. I really don't. And it is unfortunate because I, I do think that he's a guy who, who probably could have helped, as coach said, a couple of teams along mm -hmm. the way. And, and it's not an anthem protest. When I was in Marine Corps, two things that Marines took part in. And I was in Marine Corps many years ago, but the flag, as, as Don said, you know, we, the, 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 the iconic picture of Iwo Jima, those four Marines trying to hold up a U.S. flag in battle. So the, the flag meant a lot to us in the office, the, the uh, commander general, the respect for the, at least the position. And if, if this Marine, and most Marines don't have a problem with it, I don't know why others would, because it was never an anthem pro protest or a flag protest. And the fact he took it, and he, he listened to someone, a white guy, who said this may be a better stand for you to take. So, but that cost him his ability to continue to do to play football in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, look, we all, myself, coach, anyone who's ever raised their right hand, it was, we raised our right hand to defend the Constitution of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. it wasn't, it's not a flag thing. It's, yeah, that's part of it. You know, we wear the flag on our uniform and that mm -hmm. symbolizes something and it's important, but, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to defend the Constitution and what it stands for. I, I don't, you know, look at it like I'm here to defend the flag per se. And I think sometimes people get those things confused a little bit. I have, um, I'm going to go off script as well. And you guys made a great point. I think really not just on this topic, but throughout the show, just really letting people know this is really how most people that are in the military or been in the military feel about the Colin Kaepernick situation. Do, do you think, or oh, part of you think that maybe based on what you guys have told us that Maybe it is on guys like Ali Villanueva and maybe some, to an extent, a guy like Boyer, that they maybe need to let their voices be heard more on kind of what you guys are already saying and echoing that so people can become more educated that, you know, what they're doing and kneeling and protesting for the flag is not a disrespect to us in the military. It's not disrespecting the anthem and that we believe that it's basically essentially what we fought for, which is their right to, you know, freedom of speech. Do you think there's a responsibility on those guys that have military experience that also have the platform and the voice to bring more awareness to what the actual military view is on this situation? So I don't think any one man can speak. Like me and Don are speaking how we feel. I don't know how I feel in the way that feels about that specifically. So I, again, I wouldn't want to put that charge on someone to speak for the masses, but I know the Marines I've talked to, and I'm sure there's some who feel away, but the most that I've talked to 
feel as I do, but I don't think it's their responsibility in the game to uh, jump out there and, and shine a spotlight on it. And it probably wouldn't be the popular opinion. They'd get, they'd get lambasted by the man in the 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. He could probably step out there and say a whole lot of things with their name in it that don't, that, that don't sit well. Yeah, it's, I agree with coach, you know, it's hard. And he, he brings up an interesting point. Um, you know, what, one of the things that, that kind of irritates me about a lot of these things is the way people use the military to, to meet, meet their own ends, uh, that whether that's a political purpose or otherwise, I don't, I don't like feeling like I'm a pawn in somebody's game. I don't think anybody in the military does, but, but coach is right. I think it's hard to say what somebody should or shouldn't do. I think if they feel led and they have some information that they think could help educate folks, then absolutely find the right forum and, and have a discussion. Again, a lot of what I think the recent events have showed us is having discussions are healthy, having respectful um, conversations, even if you come at things from different viewpoints is, is a very healthy thing. So you use, you use your, your experience and your information to help educate folks. I do think if the timing is right, then that's absolutely something folks should do. But to Jimmy, to answer your question, if anybody's been speaking out, maybe uh, a representative from the military itself who, who actually speaks for the army or the Marine Corps, that would be the person who should do it. But I don't think they have, I don't think they really want to engage in that, that battle. And I understand no. And, and you look, get, you gain nothing from them. And, and look, here's the deal. Co Coach knows this. We're an apolitical organization, or we're supposed to be. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we've become much more politicized than I think <laughs> I would prefer. We yeah. really are supposed to be apolitical. And we take that, for most folks, especially at the higher levels, take that very seriously. And even to the degree that they probably do shy away from getting involved in stuff like this, mm -hmm. because there is, an, there is a political angle to it. Now, I'm talking about folks who currently serve. I still think that applies to people who have served in the past. That may be some of this, too, is folks folks are very serious about trying to remain apolitical to some degree well i i think one thing that you guys have echoed throughout the show is it's great to have these discussions these conversations and like don um had said you know in a, in a respectful manner of others of, of opinions and uh you know i i think this was an amazing i like to use the the term round table you know on such you know an interesting topic and we really can't thank you guys enough for coming on um, and expressing your thoughts. Um, Coach, I know you got film that you got to watch tonight. <laughs> Don, I know it's coming up on almost 1 a.m. over there in Germany. But before you guys go, uh, JT, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for definitely coming on. Um, I really didn't even want to say much because I just was soaking in so much education. And we, we couldn't thank you enough, not for just teaching us, but our listeners as well. Right. And thank you guys. And, and before we let you guys go, though, uh, Dawn, if you would like, I'd uh, like to, to kind of have you plug your podcast here one more time <laughs> hey, before we go. You've, you've already done that for me, Donato. Hey, yeah, my, my podcast is this podcast is legally objectionable. We're on Apple iTunes. Uh, it's a little bit different format than I think what folks are used to with most podcasts. Being a former journalist, uh, we tell stories. I pick stories every month uh, from from college sports that have a legal angle, and then I, I just tell the story. I've got guests. I put audio. Um, most shows are about forty five minutes, but if folks uh, have an interest in that and want to hop on and check it out, absolutely would encourage them. And thank you guys for for giving giving us a platform to talk about military issues. Uh, really appreciate that. And and thanks for the chance to plug the show. This is cool. I love listening to your show, and I, I can't wait to hear this episode and all the ones moving forward. I think it's really cool. Uh, this is going to be a, a great episode having you Absolutely. guys on it. Uh, Don, where can they find your podcast? 
I'm on Apple iTunes. Uh, I believe it's in Spotify, pretty much anywhere. I think as you've heard in most of these podcasts, anywhere that you get your podcasts, uh, but, but it's on Apple iTunes under this podcast is legally objectionable. And, and guys, we'd love to have you back on a show. Um, I know Don, we've talked about it to have the college legal aspect of things and coach Harley. I know we've talked about either college football or high school recruiting to have you guys on. So we'd love to have you guys back on again, even if it's on separate, separate shows. Absolutely. I enjoyed my time with Don, the Don and, uh, and JT. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like it. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys again. Thank you. Have fellas. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. JT, that was some good stuff with Don and coach. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the show will be as good as that, but, uh, Fans, keep listening, as always, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll try our best. So To not bore you. <laughs> so, JT, let's go to one of the big storylines from this past weekend. As I know, we're getting – we're previewing uh, week three of the NFL and I believe what is week four of college football, week one of the SEC uh, schedule. But – in the NFL this past weekend, there were quite a few major injuries, um, including a torn ACL for Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, and Cortland Sutton, all lost for the season. K Christian McCaffrey uh, out with a high ankle sprain, not the whole season. Um, he's expected to miss multiple weeks, though. Drew Locke is out for a couple weeks with a sprained AC joint, and Jimmy G uh status questionable at this point with a high ankle sprain so jt which injury worries you the most long terms um you can either go from a playing perspective or from a contract perspective man this is this was brutal to see it felt like every two minutes somebody from a game was going down and it wasn't just you know anybody these are major stars that are gonna affect their team's you know, chances at making the playoffs overall record. Um, a lot of things are going to be affected. But uh, out of all of this, uh, there's one guy that I think his injury stood out to me, both from like the long-term perspective, like, as far as being a player, and then also the contract perspective. And it's uh, Saquon Barkley. And I felt I feel for him because I feel like he plays so hard to see him go down. He had an injury in that game prior to the ACL that I thought when I was watching it looked much, much worse. Uh, Looked like he hyperextended his uh, his elbow, and then he was in a lot of pain. And then it looked like the the knee thing was just not even that bad, and it turned out to be an ACL. But I mean, it's not just an ACL tear. There's rumors that there's other possible ligament damage. So you never want to hear that when you're talking about a running back. And then it just adds to his injury history. He battled the high ankle sprain last year, came back too soon, wasn't quite the same guy. And I worry about it from his long-term view as far as a player because you just know that he's a young running back under contract under his rookie deal still and whenever he's healthy to come back you know the Giants are going to give him massive workload so it's just going to put him in harm's way again the likelihood that he's going to get injured again just says that it's high because it's happened before and also they're going to be deciding on his you know fifth year option I believe it's at the end of this year so you know, I know how you feel about running backs. So I already knew you were going to tag him anyway. You weren't going to pay him. But, you know, guy has two years marred by injuries. I'm pretty sure you don't want to pick up that fifth-year option because 
it's guaranteed fully for injury. And he was the number two overall pick. So it's a pretty big number as far as the cap. So I'd say he's a running back. He's going to get hurt again. I can see them maybe declining his offer. And they have to, the, Giants, the Giants have to deal with the fact that he may never regain his pre-injury form. So for me, it's Barkley. I have one for the playing perspective and one for the contract perspective. I agree with you. Playing perspective, I'm worried about Barkley. And, and you said it. There's rumors about other ligaments. He tore his ACL, partially tore his meniscus, and strained his MCL. And as a running back, the lateral cuts – those so are important. Ju- just as important, maybe more important than the flat-out, straight-up speed, right? So mm-hmm. you never know, like you said, how a running back comes back from these sort of injuries. And I know medicine and technology have changed, and they're, and they're so much more improved than they were 20 years ago when we saw this with Terrell Davis, and he was never the same. And I know Adrian Peterson has defied the odds. But with the other ligaments besides just the ACL being damaged, I'm always concerned, you know, if they can come back the same because he was so unique, so special. Can he come back like that? And plus, you know, you talk about the workload that he'll get. The other thing with the Giants offense, they don't give him much help. The offensive line doesn't give him much help. He wasn't running anywhere these first two weeks. Definitely not in the Pittsburgh game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So injury, that is why. I tend to agree with you with Barkley's contract. The only thing is most of the money's already been guaranteed. They're going to pick up his fifth-year option unless he, he has to retire because of, the, because of the injury, and that won't happen. So he'll at least got, he will at least got a lot of his money that he could have earned anyway in the five years. The guy that the injury I'm worried about his contract is Cortland Sutton. He's in his third year of a four-year contract. His only amount guaranteed next year is his base salary, which is $763,000, all right? A little bit over that, almost $764,000. You know it takes, JT, that first year back after an injury like this, a torn ACL for a skilled position guy. So he's going into his contract year with, you know, still a damaged knee, even though he's going to rehab it and everything but it's still not going to be 100%. So he won't get that chance to really be fully healthy, ready to go before his contract is up. So what's going to happen after that fourth year? He's going to get a one-year deal as a free agent, and now he's got to prove himself. And this was supposed to be the year that he did it. He was going to be the big focal point of the offense. Drew Locke now in his second year. He was and supposed so, to break out. And exactly, break out. And so now I don't know where his – which way his career goes. Is he going to always be a third, fourth receiver and never get that big contract? So I think this injury really hurt him contract-wise. Yeah, I can definitely agree on that. Can I just throw in an honorable mention just for not necessarily the contract side, but for of, before of, the long-term side? Of, of course, your name's first on the show. Yeah, exactly. To me, another guy I'm low-key worried about is Nick Bosa, and I'll tell you why. Because you want to talk about injury history? I feel like he's been hurt with some major injuries since he was at Ohio State. And, you know, the ACL injury this year, um, I know before the start of last of his rookie year, he said that he had that core injury where he basically tore a hole in his abdomen. And he said at the time, he's like, look, I'm not going to be right for two years. And then, you know, you go out there and tear your ACL. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, his game is based on explosion and power. For And for you to have a core injury, 
that's going to be with you for a while and then have the ACL. Like, I'm really worried about him long term. I don't know if he's going to be as dominant as he was as a rookie by the time he gets to the end of his rookie deal. And you also worry now, a couple injuries now. He's only, what, two, three years in to the NFL? Yes, year two. Year two, right? Yeah. So, I mean, are we kind of going down the J.J. Watt route where every other year he has a major injury, you know? Yeah, hopefully not. But, I mean, I guess the one positive thing is that all these guys we're talking about are young. So, yeah. they have yep. that on their side. Yep. Well, let's go stay in the NFL and let's talk about something that we usually talk about in our uh, annual preview show. And we somehow missed it. Going to blame you because you're supposed to be taking care of this. But let's just talk about uh, coaches that are on the hot seat. I know it's only two weeks in, but this seems like the perfect opportunity to do so. So, Don, I know you're always saying a coach is definitely going to get fired during the season. Who do you think is on the hottest seat and who do you see getting fired first? You love this unnecessary drama, man. We we don't like to see coaches let go. Um, but I was hoping you would kind of go first because I had two written down, but I'll go with my top. You know my what? Top. You know what? I'll, I'll I go have with... two. I have two, so go ahead and do your two. Okay, okay. Um, Dan Quinn. I mean, let's just get to it. Dan I Quinn. he was even still there until you told me. Like, <laughs> Bro, <laughs> he blew – I don't know if you remember this or not, and the listeners at home, I don't know if you remember this. He blew a 28-3 point lead or a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. But that was the Tom Brady. People make fun of them for <laughs> that, that, but we matter? understand. Listen, 28-3, it doesn't matter if they had Hall of Famers on the other side at that point. But listen, they just blew a 29-10 lead. All right, that's enough said right there. But let's look at this. They've given up 744 passing yards in the first two weeks. JT, re remind me, is he more of an offense or a defensive guy? He's a defensive guy. <laughs> and you give up 700. The coordinator for the Legion of Boom, right? <laughs> you give up, yep. You give up 744 passing yards in the first uh. two weeks? Come on. His only saving grace right now is that Arthur Blank keeps defending him in public. Now, I don't know what Arthur Blank feels or says behind closed doors but it seems like at least blank is on his side but let's face it dan quinn i think his time is is possibly coming to an end until unless they can turn it around like they did at the end of last year but they need to do that now the other guy maybe you have him on the list sorry if i take him from you matt patricia like how have they improved under him and in what areas can you answer that because i i don't know yeah, no, not at all. Exactly. I'm actually surprised they, that he made it through the first season. Six and ten, and then last year, three, twelve, and one. So six and ten his first year, last year, second year, three, twelve, and one. JT, they fired Jim Jim Caldwell, who went nine and seven, nine and seven for Detroit, which is like going 13 and three anywhere else. His last two seasons, and Jim Caldwell made the playoffs. So how are you gonna let Jim Caldwell go? and keep hanging on to Matt Patricia unless he turns it around. Like, he's got – he's probably going to go too. And like you said, he was late to meetings his first year. And this year, the schedule does not get easier. They blew two leads in their first two games, and one of those was against Chicago. Terrible. Also, uh, their top five pick from this year is not even on the field. He can't – he's not even a starter, so Jeff Okuda. So, that, to, to me, that whole situation worries me. I agree with you. I think Patricia could get the ax just because Detroit, they they are known to, you know, not put up with stuff for that long. So as far as the coaches, 
my two guys are same two guys I had on the previous show last year. I'm going to keep saying this until people either agree with me or these guys get fired. And to me, it's Mike Zimmer of the Vikings and Matt Nagy of the Bears. And come on. I said it last year. They both underachieved. And they're doing even worse this year. And they were both overrated, obviously. And now just look at what's going on. You already mentioned the Bears kind of. And then the Vikings are a mess. Kirk Cousins can't even pass for 100 yards. It's ridiculous. And to me, why I think Zimmer is going to be gone is like the Vikings may be a top five bottom team in the NFL, like across the board. Like they might be top five bottom on offense. They might be top five bottom on defense, special teams everywhere. And they have a quarterback that to me, it's clear that they made a mistake in giving him that big contract because Kirk Cousins isn't it. And then you already know how I feel about Matt Nagy and the Bears. They have regressed it on every level on both sides of the ball since he's been there and they're not even playing hard games like there's no reason that a team like the bears that has that much talent on it should struggle against the Lions. it just shouldn't happen like it's just ridiculous so these two guys are getting a lot of credit but the teams are are just performing even worse and for me with Nagy, while i really think he should be the first one to go is he came from andy reed which means you're supposed to be an offensive guy i see no offense in chicago so that's your forte and you're not doing it, you got to go. So let's stay in the NFL, all right? And let's go to something that we're going to throw in here. Not necessarily a segment, but, no, you know, something. you're going to throw in here. So, so come on, like, <laughs> own it. Something new, something new called contender, pretender, or forget about it, all right? All right, so you know who came up with this topic, subject, hey, just by the way you said it. it. I don't deny it. I own it. I own it. Unlike some of the things you do. So keeping with the theme of being just two weeks into the NFL season, this leads us to the question of, like I said, contender, pretender, and forget about it. All right. So forget about it, JT, if you don't know. Basically, it just means, man, this team that you put in that category is done. Like you don't need to worry about it. Their season's over. Good night. All right. So that's what that means in this context. You got it? You think you can play yeah. this game? All right. So let's have which fun with team? this. Oh, let's have fun with this. We'll go. You'll give me one. I'll give you one. And we'll go back I, and forth. I like it. So you're up first. Kent, contender. And these are all the 2-0 and o teams right now, right? True. Let's say which 2-0 and o team is a contender, a true contender. And don't pick an easy one, you know, that won the Super Bowl or Baltimore. Come on. No, I'm I'm going to pick the team that I picked to make the playoffs as, as a surprise. It's the Cardinals. And <laughs> Kyler right now, dare I say, is on an MVP tear. I know I know we want to give it to Russ, and I think it's Russ's to lose. But if Kyler keeps playing like this with the Cardinals, it's going to be hard to not look at him as an MVP. And I think that they're legit right now. You know, I had them, but I thought you might pick them. So I'm going to go – with my Steelers, my Steelers, Big Ben is back, Connor is healthy in week two, going into week three, and he's running really good, the receivers look good, the defense is legit, Mike Tomlin is not going for two-point conversions in the first quarter, and he's not challenging as many calls and losing them, the Steelers are contenders, and I told you, they will win the AFC North. Most improved player, Deontay Johnson. Yes, sir. Definitely helping you guys right now. Yes, sir. I got him on two of my three fantasy teams. And, of course, you took him in, in the third league. 
Thanks. So pretender. So what I want to know here is which 2-0 team is just a pretender. They're not going to be there at the end in the playoffs. This could come back to bite me, but I got a really strong feeling about this one. I think it's the Titans. And to me, it has everything to do with Derrick Henry. And we talk about this all the time. That first season where you get those 300-plus touches, never the same again. And to me, he he's not anywhere near where he was last year. And to make matters worse, he had a prolonged season, so he was getting to work during the regular season, and they just piled it on in the playoffs. And the bad thing about it is he doesn't look like the same player last year, and they're giving him more work. Like, he's getting more touches, and he's getting more work in the passing game. So if they have to rely on Ryan Tannehill to be the guy to lead them to the playoffs, throw four touchdowns a game, good luck with that. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. We know how that ends. So <laughs> no thanks. If they have to keep that up, I don't think there's any way they're going to make the playoffs. You know, they're, they're only saving grace is that division. I mean, Houston and even anymore. Jacksonville. It, but Houston and Jacksonville are 0-2. So you got to yeah, at least factor that in. And Indianapolis at 1-1 one one has not looked like, whoa, they're going to take the division. Yeah, but I don't – but Jacksonville, to me, should have won that game. But they didn't, but I think Jacksonville could end up being the better team over, this, over the course of the season. And I know that sounds really stupid, but you just watch that game. They did look like the better team. And give Tennessee – I mean, give um, the Texans credit – they had a rough start to the schedule. I mean, yeah, look, they're they, playing they you have. guys, the Ravens. They're going to play you guys, the Ravens. They had the Chiefs on opening night. Those are three legit teams that we think can go to the Super Bowl. So I think the Texans will level out as the season goes along. Okay. Well, I'm going to go probably with the unpopular pick um, as well. And I don't know if it, me- it means they won't make the playoffs, but I just don't think they're going to be um, a threat, even if they get in the playoffs. You know, I think it's the Bills. They've given up 45 points through two games, and I see your face. You don't agree, but listen. No, I agree because the Dolphins played them very well. The Dolphins should have won that game. So they've given up 45 points through two games. This is my biggest concern, and I I must admit, I haven't seen enough of their games, but I'm not sold on their running game, JT. The opener – the Josh game is the quarterback. Josh Allen, I was going to say, their opener, Josh Allen, led the team in rushing, I believe, by a large margin. You just – you can't have that every week and expect to be in the, you know, in the playoffs in the end. Um, and it's going to get cold up in Buffalo. What does that mean? You got to be able to run the ball. And listen, they still got to play New England twice. And they're going to go into, you know, they play in Buffalo, New England, and MetLife Stadium. Now, granted, it's the Jets, but you know the way MetLife Stadium is. In November, December, that wind gets going. you got to be able to run the ball. And so I, that's why I'm concerned with, with Buffalo. I will say this about the Bills. I'm with you on that, but here's some things that are working in their favor. One, the quarterback took a leap that nobody thought he would this year. So True. he's had, what, two he had a 300-yard passing game, 400-yard passing game, first two weeks, both easily first in his career. And he's still running the ball at a ridiculous pace like he normally does. I don't want to say MVP, but this kind of – with that division, this kind of feels like Cam Newton 2015, but with better passing stats, we'll see if he keeps it up. But if he keeps playing like that, there's no way you can say that they're not in the playoffs because they're going to get four easy wins against us, uh, us and the Jets. Yeah, but that's what I said. I'm not necessarily saying they won't make the playoffs, but 
I just I don't think there'll be a threat once they get to the playoffs because I think that they're going to be kind of just barely getting in and not really hitting any sort of stride because they got to be able to run the ball. Um, so let's go to the forget about it. huh? Who do you think we can basically say goodbye to at this point? I think we both got the same team. It's the Who? Bears for obvious reasons. No, nah, I don't got them. Nope. <laughs> Mitch, got Mitch them. Trubisky has played two good quarters in two games and Nick Foles can't beat him out to be the starter. So no thanks. They're done. I don't have them because I don't think anyone expected them to even be in the, even in the race. But um, I think it's the Broncos. No QB. The running game, I mean, is eh. No Vaughn Miller. They still got to play the Chiefs twice. They still got to play the Chargers twice, who the Chargers might start turning it around. Vic's job is on the line. Probably the last season, uh, he may be a head coach in the NFL. I just think it's the Broncos. In that division, without a quarterback, they played, they played gutsy against the Steelers, but I, I think we can forget about it. We'll see how these hold up. So let's transition to the NBA. So forget a, forget about that last se- last segment. Let's go. Yeah, we're, we're moving on from that. Please don't bring that back on the show. You love it. You know it. As long as too you many, don't have to say it. Yeah, too many syllables, man. If we do, you got to intro it. <laughs> All right, so let's transition to your favorite player and your favorite team. So we're talking about Paul George. Well, my favorite, my favorite, he's not my favorite player. My favorite team and my favorite team is the Orlando Magic. My favorite player is Russell Westbrook. My favorite team is the Orlando Magic. All right, let's get that. Why are you lying to the fans? That's not nice. Pick them to win it all when the Magic are in the playoffs. So moving on to PG and the Clippers. So as we know, the Clippers folded hard in the Denver series and blew a three to one series lead. Uh, reports are that a post-game speech by Paul George for the team to stay committed for a run next year was met with eye rolls and disapproval. <laughs> Further reports say teammates have felt that George does not take accountability for his actions on the court. So, do you think with this team break up before the start of next season? Well, yes, in a way, but not because of the lack of chemistry or resentment for Paul George. Listen, they've got some free agents. Montrez Harrell, Marcus Morris. I mean, Marcus Morris makes $15 million a year. And Reggie Jackson. And we kind of see where Reggie Jackson's going. Like, he doesn't fit in on this team. And now, Lou Williams is a, is a player they need to decide to keep or trade. But based on what he did those last three games in that series – they may want him. They may trade him away too. Yeah, you know, everyone wants. Everyone wants to put. Everyone wants to put on Paul George because of what they had to give up for him. But he wasn't, in my opinion, as much of a chemistry killer as maybe some of the attitudes of the other players. And I think there's. This is what I'm getting at. I think their core stays together. Meaning Paul George isn't going anywhere this year, and neither is Kawhi, and probably not Doc Rivers. So those three guys are going to be there. And that's when we think of the Clippers right now. That's who we think of. You know, we don't think about Lou Will. We don't think about Montrez Harrell. We don't think about Zubich. So remember this, JT. Miami Heat with LeBron, they didn't win their first year. They looked bad against Dallas in the finals. But we got there. (laughs) 
But again, that was the East back then. And I don't even know if the Celtics, you can say, were a formidable opponent at that point. And listen, instead what the Heat did, instead of blowing it up, they went out and got the pieces that fit that team. And maybe that's all they're realizing is, hey, Lou Will was great the years before. He just doesn't fit in on this team. And we brought in Marcus Morris. I don't know. Maybe they do keep him, but at what price? So what I'm saying is, the core is going to be there. And, you know, Doc has Paul George's back. And so they're not going to just blow it up completely. Of course, teams change from year to year all the time. So that, that's, that's nothing new. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, Doc has Paul George's back, but I think Ballmer has it as well. So they're all in on him, and they don't <laughs> he, want to look bad. <laughs> well, exactly. I was going to say, Ballmer has no choice. You, you said it perfectly. He doesn't want to look bad. They gave up their whole future. I don't think they have a first-round pick until, like, 2025. Exactly. So they're stuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to really add too much to it. I do think they trade Lou Will. And I do think uh, Montrez Harrell is definitely gone because he's going to command a high salary from another team. Mm-hmm. And plus, I think he's the one guy, if it were because of Paul George, I think he would leave because they got into it multiple times during the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I don't think the core will break up. But, like, those uh, – ancillary pieces I think will will go away and they'll bring in some new guys but sticking with Paul George what do you think his future with the Clippers in the NBA will look like well we know with the Clippers he's there at least one more year he has a player option for 20 20 21 22 and he's only 29 JT like we think of him as being older than that only 29 his thing is he can play both ways and you know coaches love defense two three years ago he was one of the most wanted players. And so like the Lakers wanted him, like, I think he'll be fine. He's still going to get a pretty good contract either to stay with the clip Clippers or go elsewhere. And we know he is not that number one guy. We, everyone knows that, but he's that two or three guy that still gets paid and can being that two or three guy with the other major piece Hold on. We'll get so, you. So are, are you, say, we'll are you saying you. his NBA future is bright because he's a number two or three guy that gets paid or he's a number two or three guy that's going to actually produce? I'm saying he's going to be a two or three guy that gets paid. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what that's the way I took it. What's his future in the NBA? I got it, you. It's pretty good because he's going to get paid way more than you or I, and he has to be just a two or three and not well, take feel, all the heat. I feel as long as you're – viable to NBA they're always going to pay you I mean you just said Morris made 15 like that's a lot of money if you were looking at it by the NFL standards um to me I think his future with the Clippers and the M- and the NBA is going to be rough because you said it already a number two or a number three guy I think everybody that is a contender will view him as a number three option at best and it's because they can't trust him on offense they the Clippers I promise you next year, if they try to bring in another star, because I think the next person that's of that, like that big three that completes them will be an offensive person for sure. He'll have to be as good as Chris Bosch was when he was with the heat. And that to me, that's the best case scenario for him on any team that's looking to win a championship. Cause you can't trust him as number two. Cause you couldn't trust him as a number two in OKC either. And I don't think any of the players, on the team that stay with the Clippers or new guys that come in, I don't think they'll trust them in the clutch. And I can see top players like Kawhi. I saw him do it in this series. 
not necessarily the Paul George, but the other players, I can see top players going away from Paul George in big moments in a series. And I, and to me, if you're going to do that, you got to have somebody else that you can go to. And Paul George has got to be okay with that. Oh, I think Paul George would be okay with that. And that's my whole point. He's a great two or three with three, you having for sure, another three. great super. Well, what I'm saying is two or three, meaning, you know, was Championship Wade, team was, or not. was Wade or Bosch the two or three, you know, like, yeah. So you got to think about it. I don't know what the answer is, but my whole point is he can fit in that Wade or Bosch role. On that team he, with he needs Kawhi, to have LeBron. on well, that team with Kawhi, he's a three. They, okay. need a, they need a strong score as a number two. And, and that's fine. But then people may look at it, well, Paul George plays both ways better than that number two guy because you're simply bringing in the number two guy as a score. So some people may see it as he's the number two guy because he can play both ways. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's, let's go to some NASCAR here, kind of mixing basketball and, and NASCAR, actually, JT. Michael Come on, give Jordan. us credit, man. You know we discuss NASCAR topics. Come on. We, this is we have. We, we have. My, well, I'm just saying we're mixing it because it involves Michael Jordan. In this past week, he teamed up with Denny Hamlin to start a NASCAR race team for the 2021 season, and Bubba Wallace will drive their car. So, JT, what was your initial reaction to this story? I'm excited as hell. Like, I don't know if you remember. Let me ask you this. Are you going to start watching NASCAR next season? Glad you brought that up. Hell yeah. And we talked about this originally when we talked about the whole Bubba Wallace situation and when like Alvin Kamara and LeBron started drawing all his attention to NASCAR. And I told you, I told you, this would happen. NASCAR was all about it. This is how they're going to diversify their fan base and take it global. What better person to do it than Michael Jordan? To me, I'm excited about this just from like the accessories alone. Like I want to see like what the car looks like. I want to see what his suit looks like. I want to see what kind of shoes Bubba's going to have on. And then you add in the fact that Denny Hamlin's in it. To me, that's what makes me the most excited is that they got a guy who is really, really NASCAR. So Jordan's bringing the brand recognition. Same thing with Bubba Wallace. He's a good driver. He's young. And then you got Hamlin. It's kind of like the Pat Riley, like putting this all together. I love it. Um, I To me, I think it goes along with what I said. What was this, like five months ago? I think this is game-changing for NASCAR. So I, you, you bring up great points. Um, I, I, I got to ask you this because I don't know how much I believe you with, oh, you're going to watch it. So next year, when NASCAR still going in September, October, into November, on Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock, you're telling me you're going to be having – if there's only one television there, you're going to be having NASCAR on and not NFL Red Zone. Well, that's what you're all, saying. First of all, you know me. I'm going to have multiple screens. But, so. but that's not the point. On, on How many screens do you have? Two? Three. Okay, three. What do you have on the three right now on um, a Sunday? Dolphins, okay. Red Zone, and okay. there's basketball on. Okay. So you're telling me – See, of course, three televisions, it makes it easy because basketball. Don't be a hater. You asked basketball, the question, I gave you an answer. But basketball is not going to be on next so, year. So, so I asked you, so funny, it's so funny you say, you're saying this because I, if, if I screenshot you my notes, I actually wrote that down and it says, you asked me, will I tune in on Sundays? Because I knew you were going to bring that up because I had a feeling that you thought that I would think this was a good move. Yes, I will be watching. 
Uh, I'm going to come down for a couple Sundays next year in the fall just to make sure then. All right. But can, can not we because admit- I want to come down to Florida, you know. It's not because, you know, it's great weather all the time and it's Florida, but it's to come and make sure that tell you, man, you're, you're you watching admit, it. You got to admit this is game changing. You got Jordan and Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin. I'm just looking at how many new sets of demographics are going to start showing up to these racetracks. To me, NASCAR's excitement has got to be through the roof right now. Yeah, that I do agree with. He, meaning Michael Jordan, will be the first black principal owner of a full-time cup team since the 1970s when Wendell Scott drove his own car. So that goes to show you how long ago, you know, it's been. And you said it best with NASCAR being excited. Listen, NAS, the diversity in NASCAR is what was needed and this is maybe what starts it. It's not, it's not just that Bubba Wallace was racing, but now you bring in Michael Jordan, a principal black owner with a black driver. Um, this is what NASCAR needed, that diversity. And, you know, this is the great things, not to go off on a tangent here, but this is the great thing that I love, have loved about sports and love about sports and still feel it could be this way is how sports can bring people together right so now you're bringing in a guy like Michael Jordan Bubba Wallace has already opened that door but maybe this opens doors even further like you said to different demographics and not only that but sports you know always felt can teach leadership uh, discipline teamwork and bringing this all together with a guy like Jordan and maybe like you said changes NASCAR a bit for the good you know for the good um, they've got to be excited. This is a great boost for NASCAR. Like you said, it's going to bring in different viewers. Now, you know, I can't leave this segment though, without somewhat making fun of Jordan a little bit, right? You know, I got to take a little dig at him. So he said, JT, in one of the follow-up interviews that he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't think he could win because he wants to win. The only reason why I'm kind of like, I look at that quote and I'm like, Ugh, he's not doing that with the Charlotte Hornets. Mm. So, you know, I know he's saying that because we know how competitive he is, but I look at this more of just the, the greater good that it's, it's going to do for the sport in NASCAR and possibly the future um, of the drivers and maybe future owners of, of NASCAR. So we've heard him say he wants to win before, He's not winning with the Charlotte Hornets, so hopefully, hopefully this is a little different because man, give the man, give the man a break. <laughs> I will, I'll say this: I in no way can confirm this, but to me, out of everything that we talked about and we're excited about, and that NASCAR is excited about about this whole situation, I'm gonna tell you the thing that I'm gonna look for the most, and I guarantee you it's gonna happen. And if NASCAR knows this, they're geniuses. If not, they're gonna get lucky. Interesting thing about this whole merger is some of the people that are already NASCAR fans that are not for the upcoming diversity, they also probably love Michael Jordan. So he's a great person. If you're going to bring in some diversity, get somebody that everybody loves. And it'll be really hard for those fans that are already there in NASCAR that necessarily don't want this to say, no, we don't want Michael Jordan because Every one of those individuals 
soon as they see Michael Jordan at one of those races, they're going to want to talk to him, get an autograph, take a picture. And I think that's what's going to be the thing that kind of opens the door for all of this to, to move forward. Yep. Of all the guys, I think he almost couldn't pick a better guy except maybe like a Magic Johnson. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think Jordan, I think Jordan has more uh, recognizability and likability across like all sports. Right. And I think probably on the East coast because he played more on the East coast where magic was more of a West coast guy. Yeah. But you, yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And listen, my, my, my dig at Jordan is just because growing up, I was a Pistons fan he obviously man, played for on, the man. Bulls. You ain't, ain't got to go back so, on what you said. You said what you said. If he hears the tape, you just got to explain when we interview him in the future. But but listen, don't backtrack. Don't I, backtrack. I'm not. I was just. I was just kind of. He's scared. You know, having having fun with 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 he's his scared, y'all. He's with scared. His, with his quote. Look but, at it. Look at it right now. He's scared. I'm, Jordan, they need I'm to go not, hear this. The Relax. fans can't can't see me. Hey, we don't know. Maybe MJ does listen to this. But well, but no. Knew, again, great great for NASCAR, and, and and you said it best, JT. All right, so let's go back to the NFL. Uh, we're go- rolling into week three. So we always do this every week. Top storylines that we're looking forward to or we're keeping an eye on. Don, what are your top storylines to look for this week? Man, how, how many can I do? How much you time do we three. got? You can do three. Okay, I'll be real quick. Um, and maybe I'll go two. Uh, Raiders, Patriots, off the bat, man. This could be a statement game for the Raiders. Like I make last, the, I thought Monday night was make the people believe. I mean, not according to you, because Breeze Breeze doesn't have it anymore. But make us believe. You know, make the people believe. If you're the Raiders at New England, you know, on New England side, they could fall to one and two. JT. Now they've come back from that before, but you know the pressure will be on them and Cam especially because he hasn't had that success there that Brady had. If they started one and two, oh, we'll be fine. The fans might get the start to worry to be like. We used to have Brady to dig us out of this hole. Can we believe and have faith in Cam? I don't um, think it's Cam, though. I think no, people, no, from, but, what, but, from what I heard see, online. That, but that's my whole point, JT. What I see online, I but, feel like people know their defense isn't as good. They're I, I know, excited but, about Cam. But I know, but that's not what I mean. My whole point is, even if the defense was like this last year, people still had faith. Oh, we got Brady. We've been through yeah. this. But that's different now. Yes, Cam's playing really well. And you can be excited about him, and he's working hard. But what I'm saying is he doesn't have that history with the fans for them to be like, ah, we got this in the bag. So, anyway, will Belichick have a defensive plan for the Raiders' offense? Because they've been looking good. Now, interesting note here. Gruden is back to the place where it all started, the tuck rule. And now I know it's not – it's a different stadium, but, you know, Gruden still has to feel kind of – Sour some about yes, yeah, some type of way. So we'll we'll see. I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of storyline with that. I'm sure you're going to get to the Chiefs and Ravens. If you're not, I'll cover it now. But obviously, no. Go ahead. I mean, best best game of the week. Yeah, Chiefs best game Ravens. of the week. I'm surprised that this is actually a Monday night game because usually the Monday night games are the bad ones. Yep. So this this is why I'm, you you kind of mentioned you kind of stole a little bit of my fire there. That's why I'm looking forward to when we were growing up, JT. Like you said, the best games were the Monday night games. Prime time. Prime time. Everyone watching. It was always you know the big matchups: Buffalo, Pittsburgh, you know whoever else you want to throw in there. 49ers against Giants. So Chiefs, Ravens, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Enough said. Uh, I know we're going to get predictions in a little bit, but I mean, 
I'm sure I think you picked this as the one game you wanted to see uh, when the schedule came out. So oh, good, yeah, for sure. good, good call there. And then Packers Saints. Drew is taking a lot of heat from yours truly, JT. Um, people think he's old and done like JT. And so is it ain't just me. It's, it's, it's <laughs> half of the internet. But listen, there's only two of us on this show. I can't, I can't call out everybody on the internet. So a lot of questions. But will the Saints give the right or wrong answer here? And the opponent will not make it easy because the Packers are pretty good. So we'll see. That's, that's a big one, and that's the Sunday night game. All right. Um, I'll be quick with mine. Uh, you already stole the Ravens and Chiefs best game of the year, in my opinion. I think this will be the preview of the AFC Championship. We'll see who gets round one. Uh, I actually other, don't think it's going to be the best game of the year. I think best game of the year is going to be Ravens-Steelers, but go ahead. That could be. I didn't think so at the beginning, but it could be up there. Um, my other two really aren't necessarily as big a storylines as yours. They're just little behind-the-scenes storylines that interest me. Um, the second one is how did the 49ers handle playing at MetLife again <laughs> a week after they lost half their team and made a complaint to the league to investigate about the conditions of the turf at MetLife? How did they go back into that same stadium a week later and play psychologically and get ready to play? That's a great point, the mental aspect of it. But did you see what the NFL, what the report was? No. What, what they stated they the field was in okay condition to play. So yeah. they gave it the okay. That's all they gave it was the okay. <laughs> it sounds like the, that old Heinz field where they knew it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, that does not what sound like a field, an NFL field I want to play on, just okay. To me, I think that is enough of a worry that the Giants – could possibly win that game if they're just like let's just get out of here with no more further damage um and then the last one is is justin herbert ready to be the starter for the chargers i know we didn't get to talk about it but we'll talk about it probably in the future with the whole uh tyrod taylor medical issue but he looked good in his first start but now that everyone knows he's going to be the guy they got a whole week to look at tape is justin herbert ready because a lot of people thought that he wasn't going to be ready this year out of all the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, and he's on the hot seat right now. They're getting ready to throw him into the fire. All right. So busy weekend in the NFL. So that will lead us to our weekend predictions. We're going to do some college and NFL games. You ready, JT? Let's go. Oh, wait. Hold on. By the way, Got to bring this up for the fans that follow us on IG. You know I'm not lying. I believe the Dawn went 4-0-1 last week. He called Miami, Arizona, Seattle, the Raiders, and TB12. And we, we, tie, said, we tied on Brady and Mitch. So I went 4-0-1. Hurricanes, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks. Las Vegas. Nobody thought Raiders. the Saints were going to wet the bed like that. But uh, hey, look, I'll give hey, it to you. The dawn knew, the dawn of sports. So let's go. Weekend predictions. SEC football is back, JT. Number 23, Kentucky at number eight, Auburn. Who do you got? Got to roll with Auburn. Ooh, I'm going to go upset. I feel upset. I think Auburn's overhyped. They're overranked. I got you don't Kentucky. Trust Bo? Kentucky in the upset. Florida State at Miami. It's the the Saturday night college football game on 
ABC, who you got? I feel like we're just going to pick Miami, even if we're playing Clemson. There's no way we can't pick the Canes. Listen, I'm going to be a homer here. I'll go in Miami as well. Even the though, real, you know, you know me, this game always scares me. I don't the care how the question teams should are. be. It's not that we do we think Miami will win. Do you think Florida State will score 17 points or more? I think they'll I, score I think, 17. I think under. I think 14. Wow. I think I think 17 at least because Miami's defense is not what it was a year ago or two years ago. So, but I, and listen, you know me, I'm always worried about this game. Um we have number 24, Louisville, at number 21, Pitt. Pitt. Because I don't even know how Louisville is ranked. Because weren't they like five and seven last year or something like that? Like, they weren't even good last year, and we just beat the crap out of them. So, Pitt's actually legit. So, that's an easy one. Yep, I'm going to go Pitt here as well. Even though these are the games that you think Pitt should win, these are the ones where they break your heart. Trust me, I've I've lived through that. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Pitt. NFL. We didn't talk about this game. Rams at Bills. Bills, home game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict what I said earlier about them being a a yeah. pretender <laughs> because well, you know, it's ahead. not that, but it's so tough. The Rams have had a tough schedule. They've now had to be on the East Coast back to back weekends. So I'm going to go with the Bills. Um, Cowboys at Seahawks. This is a sneaky good game. Uh, it's at Seattle. Let Russ cook. I think the Seahawks get it done. And Russ, we trust, baby. Seahawks. Packers at Saints. I, I, to be honest with you, I had it written down. I picked the Packers, but Devontae Adams is looking like he's not going to play in this game. So I think this is an easy bounce back game for the Saints if he don't play. You think everything is easy. It's the NFL. Nothing is easy. But I agree with you. It's a bounce back game because Drew and that offense is going to prove everyone wrong, especially they want to prove JT wrong. So I got Saints there as well. And then the big one, you said it, Monday night, Chiefs at Ravens. Who do you got? Got to go with my Super Bowl pick, the Ravens. It's a night game in Baltimore. No shot. <laughs> Man, I can't believe the only one we're going to disagree on is Kentucky-Auburn because I got the Ravens as well, even though you know I'm rooting for the Chiefs. But I think the Ravens finally get the best of the Chiefs here. Um, and so I've got to go Ravens, even though I don't want to. So the only one we got different, JT, Kentucky-Auburn. So it's going to come down to that one of who has the better record, my friend. Well, don't. Well, I don't have to worry about it because if you have it, you'll just brag about it on the next show. Oh, you know, I'll let you know for sure. Got to let the people know, hey, we always said when we started this show, we would hold hold ourselves accountable for our predictions and picks. All right. So last thing, JT, before we go, trivia time, you know it. So let's go. Let's start with a little college football in UCF, your alma mater. All right. So what head coach has led both UCF and Georgia Tech to 50 plus wins during his tenure at each school? Is it O'Leary? Yeah. All right. Off the bat, my man. All right. All right. They're going to get a little bit more challenging now. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we really only have two more. This one's possible. I will admit, I got three you out said of it's possible. I got three out of the four correct. I didn't know the fourth one. What four receivers, here's a hint, 
They're all in the NFC playing right now. What four receivers have caught a pass in 100 straight games they have played in? All in the NFC? At least, at least 100 straight games. Yep, they're all in the NFC, believe it or not. Uh, Larry Fitz, you got to be one of them. Yep. Um, 100 straight games, got to say At least Edelman. 100 straight games. No, no, it's AFC. NFC. Um, NFC, who are some old-ass receivers in the NFC? Wow. Hundred straight You're just going to go that. You're just going to go like that, huh? Wow, this is taking longer than I thought. I got well, the just, first three off. In my mind, I'm just trying to think of all the NFC teams <laughs> and who are the older receivers on those teams. Let's um, go. The fans don't have all day at home. The fans do not have all day. I'm right, going to start to count. I, you got to give me at least one more before you can guess the other ones. Five. Uh, Jimmy Graham? <laughs> no. Are they all receivers? Dis- or are This they, is like, disappointing. The Receivers. There's another hint. They're all receivers. No oh, they're all receivers. Hands. Okay. All right. You got three seconds. Two. Give me one more. One. Oh, all right. I'm going to give you Julio Jones. You. Julio Jones. There we go. You got two out of the four. I feel like you're stumped now. <laughs> no, no, no. I can finish this whole. So Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald. I'm just trying to think of the NFC teams because people switch teams so often. Um, wow. We need to put ads in here. If anyone wants well, if to you sponsor were doing us job, during, <laughs> if anyone wants to sponsor us during trivia time, please have at it. All Is right, Golden I'm, Tate one of them? Whoa, Golden Tate! Good call. I just need to. I'm thinking of NFC Good teams. Call. Listen, I'm giving you the fourth one. You're taking too long. Who was the fourth? DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, you forget he's played 100 games. I didn't know Golden Tate. That's a great job, Jay. I, well, I feel like Golden Tate's been in the league for a while. He always is good for a catch. <laughs> when he plays. All right, last one. You get this one, JT, again. No more trivia time. We'll just do it for the fans. Jarek McKinnon converted a third and 31 by running for 55 yards this past Sunday against the Jets' defense. That is the longest conversion on the ground since what running back ran for 53 yards on a third and 37? How old is this? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a while back. We were definitely still alive. Definitely, you know, followed football. Um, I'll give you a hint. NFC. It was another running back ran ran. Well, it's got to be a running back. Yes, they ran. Um, yep. I would probably go Barry Sanders. Oh, that's not a bad guess. Hey, if you're gonna go down, go down with the best. It was actually Leroy Horde when he was with the Minnesota Vikings. Nah, wasn't getting that one. <laughs> that's why I put it all on the line there and gave you the chance to so get out of trivia time. Hey, so JT, we have had a great episode with some a pair of great guests on and to the listeners and fans out there. Thank you as always for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don all sports podcast. We can be found on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And please follow us on social media. Our handle at JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and 
Facebook. So again, thank you for listening. Enjoy the weekend of sports. And JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.